Welcome to Lumina, a podcast from Afters, the Australian film, television and radio school. The attention span that people have nowadays, it's short. And especially for the audience and the demographic that I was creating for, like these are people who are used to watching lots of different pieces of content that are very short in duration constantly throughout the day. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, it's five minutes. I don't know if I can dedicate that much time because that's just the nature of the beast. I love a good TV series, but I can't remember the last time I looked at a TV guide or made plans to watch a show at broadcast time. In fact, the concept of a television series is in itself pretty outmoded. When it comes to drama, I watch it on demand, on my television, but also on my phone or my computer, wherever I happen to be. While free-to-air TV still has the numbers in Australia, we're witnessing a fascinating evolution in how content is delivered to us. We seem to have more choices than ever. I'm on my way to see Hannah Lehman, an up-and-coming Australian talent and an aspiring showrunner. What's that? Well, think Donald Glover with Atlanta or Lena Dunham with Girls, someone who creates, writes, produces and often acts in their own project. Before I get to her house, I stop and order a takeaway coffee. And while I wait, I catch up on three episodes of The Out There on Instagram. This is still kind of frozen in the middle, but I guess we can just eat around it. It takes three minutes in total, which means my barista is really quick. Andrea. It's a weird name, isn't it? I think it's a nice name. Hannah is the creator of The Out There. In 2016, this was Australia's first drama series made for Instagram. Two seasons of one-minute episodes that have now racked up, well, a lot of views. I'm Fenella Kernabone and this is Lumina, a podcast for storytellers and creators interested in how technology is reshaping the way that we share stories. In this episode, we're looking at distribution platforms, specifically for content that we are used to calling TV series, the stuff created for television channels or to buy on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc. But these days, the spaces where we can enjoy episodic content has multiplied. There's Netflix, Stan, Amazon, Hulu, YouTube, ABC iView, Facebook, SBS On Demand, the list goes on. But has the decentralisation of content made it easier or harder to get your work out there? In this episode, we're talking to two producers at different points in their career about the hustle and grind of getting eyeballs on your work. Hi. Hello. Come in. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm in the, I'm in the room. This is where the out there was filmed. Yes, this is where my, oh, I'd say like 90% of the show was filmed right here in my apartment. It's the kitchen, <laughs> the living room, the hallway, which has had a very um, good run on the show as well. Lots of drama happening in that hallway. The out there follows Frances, a woman in her mid-20s, much like Hannah, in fact, played by Hannah, who encounters a ghost with some unfinished business. Each episode is squeezed into the maximum video length for Instagram, 60 seconds, and it's shot with the phone screen in mind. The first ever show or series made for Instagram, can you definitely claim that one? 
I would like to. I would definitely say that it's the first Australian one and the first one made by a young woman. But there are a couple of other series now floating around that I've noticed have popped up in the last year or so since I created the first season of The Out There. Yeah, it's definitely a platform that more filmmakers are starting to pick up on and use. For Hannah, the idea to create a series for Instagram didn't come out of nowhere. The platform definitely came first. I mean, I wanted to make a show, but I wasn't struck with making a a show that would just get lost on YouTube. 10 years ago, perhaps this show could have lived on and been really successful on YouTube. But I think part of the reason for this show's success is because it is on Instagram. Around eight to nine million Australians are active on Instagram each month. It's a lot of people and Hannah saw an opportunity. It was kind of a no-brainer for me. I'm always on the platform and basically everyone I know is always on the platform as well. So it just seemed like a really smart thing to do. I think it's really important for young filmmakers and young artists to be able to make their work as accessible as possible. Being able to have it on Instagram meant that everyone had access to my TV show in their pockets at any time. So they could literally watch my show while they're waiting in line for coffee or sitting on the bus or pretending to do work at their desk. Like it's just being able to watch it so quickly without having to go home and watch, you know, other streaming platforms or anything like that. A part of me also knew that I would be able to get a little bit of attention as a result of that, which is really what I wanted to do. I wanted people to look at my work and talk to me about it. And to be able to use this series as a stepping stone for to further myself in my career. Until recently, content had to make it past the platform gatekeepers, the movie and TV execs or commissioners on the major streaming services before it could reach us. But portability and affordability of equipment, the distribution capabilities of the internet and greater access directly to audiences means creators more than ever can carve their own way. I had that light bulb moment of Instagram. It was like, cool, this is how I'm moving ahead and this is what I'm going to do. So then from there I was like... <laughs> What's the story? And from there I started writing it. Can we just get into the the nuts and bolts of actually writing and storytelling Mm -hmm. in that one minute Mm -hmm. restriction? How on earth do you do that? (laughs) Because that's tough. It was hard. It was very hard. Obviously each episode has to have a beginning, middle and end and end with a cliffhanger that takes the audience into the next episode. So I really tried to make that really tight in the first season especially. It was interesting on the day when we were shooting, we would just be stripping dialogue out once the actors got in and started actually performing the lines that there were some instances where it just wasn't going to fit in one minute. And especially if you're putting something on social media, which has such a reactive platform in itself, like you're constantly just swiping or scrolling to the next thing. So the one minute for this kind of platform and storytelling was actually beneficial, I thought. Mm. And it would really it was up to me to make sure that the content was engaging enough that people could invest one minute of their time to watch it. The first two to five seconds have to be really grabbing. The cliffhanger of their prior episode needs to be a big enough hook that people will go, oh, yeah, I can watch one more. Whereas if you're watching a traditional web series, investing 20 minutes or investing five minutes or investing an hour is a lot more output for the audience mentally mm. and something that I experienced myself as well. Yeah, What's significant about it is that this is a very highly produced, it's a quality production. It's not cheaply done. You've done it very well. Tell me about the principles that you wanted to put in place at the start Mm -hmm. so that you didn't have, you know, a traditional and, you know, cliched student film production. 
So it was really important for me that this look premium and look like it could belong on Netflix or on any other streaming platform. The videos are all shot in traditional 16 by 9 format, whereas normally on Instagram you'd see sort of a square ratio being used. The reason for this as well was because I wanted it to be, you know, if you view it on, on Vimeo or on the big screen, it looks a certain way and it feels, it has that premium feel because most of our audience would be watching it on their phones. It was really important to make sure that they were able to see what was happening. So we utilized a lot of, you know, mainly mid shots and close-ups of the characters' faces to get the story across and really only utilizing the wides where it was very imperative as opposed to the storytelling. The phone actually, it changes the color temperature for your eyes because it crushes the black. So the whites might seem really bright. So all of those things came into consideration more so than if I was making this for a computer screen. After we'd made the first season, I turned into a PR person. (laughs) I turned into a publicist and it was really just me reaching out to literally everybody I could think of and being relentless in the pursuit of my goal to get my show seen. And that's really how it happened. It was just me being like, here's my idea. This is my work. Please watch it. Hannah successfully circumvented the big streaming platforms and we're going to come back to her later in the episode. But first, I wanted to consult someone else who has found success working with the more mainstream platforms, TV and streaming services. One of the the funnest pictures that I've been in, uh, we had the benefit of having a a pilot that we'd shot in the basement of our office. I think it cost us $10,000 or something and it was pretty rough and ready, but we made a 20-minute pilot and we, we screened that in that pitch meeting to the whole stand team. Chloe Rickard is the CEO of Jungle Entertainment in Sydney. And at that point, we were their first commission. So this was the first one of those meetings for the whole team, including marketing and all that sort of stuff. And the room was just full of laughs. So that was really fun because I felt like I could tell in the room that they'd been won over. Jungle is a TV and film production company specialising in comedy, but lately branching out into drama. They're behind Australian shows like No Activity, Here Come the Habibs, The Moody's, Mr In Between, to name a few. Chloe knows how the market thinks and she's had plenty of experience pitching to the big players on free-to-air and Australian streaming services. The audience is fragmenting because there's more places to watch things. You can watch from your smartphone all the way through to high-end television, etc. And the formats in which you can watch things is also multiplying from YouTube through to feature films. Because of that, I guess, smorgasbord of of content, (laughs) uh, consumers are going to multiple places to get what they want and it just means that it's not a one-stop shop anymore. So the the high kind of million-plus viewers for an episode on free-to-air TV in Australia is uh, you know, almost a thing of the past. This means finding the right home for your content. It's critical. So there are a lot of platforms out there, which means that it's not an easy sort of one, two, three step process. You actually have to survey the marketplace, work out what each of the content platforms are looking for. And sometimes they're very specific, like one platform in particular is focusing on female drama. So if you've got a drama that's got a female protagonist or etc., then that's specifically what they're looking for. So you need to be aware of the marketplace and understand the individual needs of those platforms and the niches that uh, exist within their markets. But it can be daunting. 
looking at the streaming services and free-to-air gatekeepers, wondering how can I compete with Stranger Things or Westworld? I sort of see the market splitting into two. You've got your high-end sort of Game of Thrones, Handmaid's Tale, etc. And then you have your lower-end products like No Activity. And when I say low-end, I don't mean low-end in, in terms of quality, but in terms of price point. So there's, in my experience, there's quite a big divide between the very expensive and the more sort of minimalist or economical way of um, making content. I had a really interesting experience recently in pitching Bad Mothers, which is our show for Channel 9. A lot of the international marketplace was saying that the market is tiring of that big budget sort of it's often quite bleak and depressing the tone of things in, in that higher end world at the moment that's the, that's the trend I love it I've been enjoying it myself but uh, the the comments have been that audiences are actually looking for something a bit more refreshing comical even uh, dare I say <laughs> soapy for lack of a better word but you know something that people can turn off to and actually enjoy as a piece of entertainment rather than kind of this whole emotional barrage. One of Jungle Entertainment's most successful products was No Activity. It's the one that had the pilot shot in the basement that Chloe then pitched to Stan, and in fact was the first original commission for Stan. With Stan, it was a very specific pitch. They were a new content platform and a new player in the Australian market and we went in and and basically pitched to them uh, we've got a show for you it's not only going to be fantastic and world class but we're able to do it on quite a restrained budget and that was part of the pitch from day one I think with these content platforms starting out as new businesses, they're all you know startups until they find their audience, and in those early stages, it's all about um, getting more subscribers and building the business from the ground up. That strategy isn't always the way you you do things. Sometimes you want to pitch it as a big budget, world class, high performing piece of content. But when you're looking at new platforms in particular, uh, it is interesting to think about you know their budgets and what they're they're trying to spend when you're conceiving a concept to pitch to them. Mm. No Activity has since been recommissioned in the US by CBS and remade for an American audience. Because the Australian market is small, for Chloe, this is the ideal outcome for a product. An international buyer for a show on any platform significantly increases the viability of that product. Look, there's an incredible amount of pressure on free-to-air television, as everyone knows. They need to know what they do really well. On SBS, for example, they do that four-by-one-hour drama series exceptionally well. And uh, although there is very few avenues internationally where that will sell, uh, there are certainly buyers in the market that do also like that format. So if you can find the perfect synergy between the international buyer that's happy to take the four-by-one-hour, if you know, you've know got an idea that's commissionable under SBS's charter and then you work together collaboratively, you can actually come up with something fantastic, but it takes more than just sort of an idea and pitching it to SBS to get that up and mm. up and running. So I think you know, in terms of the local market, I feel like the local players are really honing in on what they're good at. ABC, for example, have achieved exceptional results, in my opinion, in the comedy sphere of recent years. They've really been a powerhouse there and uh, I feel like they're really owning, especially the Australian market. In recent years, ABC comedy shows like Please Like Me by Josh Thomas and their newer offering, The Letdown, have both found huge success overseas. In fact, The Letdown was one of Netflix's highest rated shows. Where things are tougher for Australians now, in the last 12 months, 
you know a bit longer uh there has been a change in the way that uh, financing happens here the license fees have maintained but the equity investments from a lot of the free-to-airs including ABC and SBS have decreased and so as such we are required to get a greater amount of international financing in early which in my experience has been quite tough Mm. you know once your project goes into development it's not automatically going to be produced by any means there's quite a big process of financing involved and quite a significant amount of the budgets are coming from overseas so your ideas whilst they do need to be local in that they're being produced for a local broadcaster they need to have significant international appeal in order to raise that finance so we really are at a crossroads in financing and the way things are getting up and who the stakeholders are Mm. in those projects. So for new producers I would start with I'm talking like you know very new producers I would start with making your own content putting it on your own platform trying to find audiences and working out what your tone of voice is who your audience is and what sort of product you're great at making and then from there you're much more confident or in much more I guess, informed position as to what you're pitching to networks. So Andrea, my manager, said this was probably going to And this is exactly what Hannah Lehman did with the first season of The Out There, and to great success. Here she is again. It kicked around in the US for a little bit, which was awesome. One of my goals going in, a personal goal of mine, was to get this show into the US market, which I'm very happy to say did happen. We were picked up by a company called Adolescent Content, which is a Gen Z slash Gen Y production company based out of Los Angeles in California. So they came on board and executive produced the second season. So basically they commissioned me to make it, which was awesome. And then they distributed it on their platform as well. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And now you've been picked up to to do stuff in the States. So it's, yes. it, it is happening for you. So go from the beginning. What's actually happened as a result of making The Um, Out There? The Out There did really well in America, um, more so than it did in Australia, which was surprising and awesome. Like I said, I was really relentless in the pursuit of my goal to get it in America. Um, I reached out to a lot of folks over there and, you know, I got a lot of no's and a lot of no answers, but a, a few people were interested and I decided to go over there at the beginning of this year and that's sort of really where everything started to fall into place for me. I met a lot of people. I was able to secure um, management and representation over there as a result of this work um, and really just be introduced to a lot of people who were interested in using social cinema and I guess social media as a platform. We are seeing a lot of really short form content start to be produced by the Hollywood system and start to be produced by production companies, especially in the United States. They saw me creating this work and being like, okay, well, this person obviously has experience, knows what they're doing, so let's get her on board for a project that we're creating that is in the same vein or is similar to. Yeah, so I guess that's what happened. It's happening. It's happening. It's very, (laughs) it's really exciting and it's something that I've been working towards for a while. So to see sort of like the fruits of my labour coming into fruition is very satisfying. The goal, though, for for you is not to become an Instagram filmmaker. No. (laughs) No. I mean, that doesn't sound like a terrible Mm -hmm. idea, um, but you you want more out of this. So what ultimately is the, the idea for you? Putting the show on Instagram was always a way for my work to be seen and for me to show that I could do this. 
on a micro scale, <laughs> but really it's a stepping stone for the next project. And it was a way for me to get into the States and to get my name out there in a way that people would see the show and be like, oh, that's her point of difference. She made this, this show. Because, I mean, you're in some ways you're revolutionising what a, a medium like Instagram is actually capable of and what it can do. Yeah. Something that its creators wouldn't have even have thought of, you mm. know, originally. Totally. And yet you still want to go into what is... Traditional. Traditional. That's right. Well, I mean, one of the things with with this show and with Instagram is that there's no way to monetize it unless it's branded content. If people are investing in content for Instagram, it's not like YouTube where you can earn money based on the amount of views that it gets. For me, it's it's acted as a stepping stone and I've loved working on the platform, but the goal is to be moving into a place where my content can actually earn money and make money and create jobs. If most content creators see the world like Hannah, no matter how much ground we break on new platforms, at this stage getting your show on big streaming services, that's still the end goal. I think Australia are excellently placed. We've got great offsets, we've got great government funding and it means we're actually a great partner for international players. I think we're smart and funny and intelligent and we make really good content. The streaming platforms do hold a lot of power in that some of the deals that they do are um, for multiple years and they buy out all rights, etc. However, it ultimately comes down to the show. If you've got something that people want, then they're ready to do a deal. You have been listening to Lumina, a podcast from Afters, Australia's national screen and broadcast school dedicated to finding, developing and supporting Australian storytelling talent. Lumina is produced for Afters by Audiocraft with Selena Shannon and Jess O'Callaghan. Our sound engineer is Ryan Pemberton and our executive producer is Kate Montague. My name is Fenella Kernerbone. To hear more of these episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You have been listening to Lumina, a podcast from Afters, the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. Mm.